Sunday in January, and we're starting a brand new series called Not Happiness. You're like, Derek, this is really depressing. Uh, well, it should be. Because some of y'all, and I think this is what God wants us to know this morning, is some of y'all need freedom and are looking for freedom, and freedom is coming. Mainly freedom from yourself. Anybody need some freedom from themselves? Anybody else, like when you look at yourself in the mirror, you go, man, you drive me crazy. You with me? That's, that's how I live my life. I look in the mirror every morning and I go, man, what are you going to screw up today? You know? But I, think, I think as humans, especially as, um, I'm going to say this word, especially as Americans, we are in a constant pursuit of happiness. Which is really, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, is unbiblical. You with me? Because the Bible never says pursue happiness. But it's even in our creed, the word happiness. Like Derek, what are you talking about? Listen, I'm just going to preface this, preference this, preference this with this, preference, however you say, whatever that word is. I'm going to say this around this. Listen, I love America. I love where I live. I honor the troops that have served and protected my freedom. So when, what I'm about to say, don't like, send me emails. If you want to send emails, send it to Justin. But it's in our creed that we live by. You with me? This is what I mean. Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, agree, they are, they, and that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why is it a pursuit of happiness? Because you can't get there. It's ever-fleeting. It's ever fleeting, and we as humans will never be satisfied until we figure out whose we are. Because before you're Americans, guess who you are? You're loved by your Creator. You are a son and daughter of the King. But we keep trying to pursue happiness, don't we? We keep trying to pursue things that, that satisfy us, that make us feel better. I mean, like, we live by this daily, right? Like, this, like, we never stop chasing the things that we suppose bring us joy, and when we get them, we're done with them in a few weeks. On average, you know how, many, how, many, how long people keep cars? That's the record. Most circumstances in America, people keep cars no more than three years in America because their car doesn't satisfy them anymore. 
Look, we're pursuing the next comment. Christmas was just here, and I don't know about y'all, we have a couple small kids now. Thought we were done, but we're starting over, apparently. Okay? Well, I'm enjoying it. Brittany may not be, but, I mean, I get to rest around and have fun. Brittany has to do all the serious stuff, like change diapers and feed, and actually, I do a lot of that, too, because Brittany throws up. Um, <laughs> But like you get your kids something for Christmas and they play with it hard for a week and by this point now in this year they're like, I don't even know where it is. Because we keep pursuing something that is fleeting, something that brings us happiness. And the Bible has never been about your happiness. It's been about your joy. Because there is a difference. To the book, I'm going to back, I got a little ahead of myself, but it's okay. Let me, let me throw some more, more examples out here for you. New Year's resolutions, anybody? Anybody start one of those back a couple, like a week ago? Anybody? No? You, you guys are true believers. Because majority, by, Febru- by February 2nd, most people who start resolutions, guess what? They get mad at themselves because they're not seeing progress, they're not seeing true happiness come from what, they're, what they said. They're, so they give up and they go back to eating chocolate and cake. Okay. That new diet's not working fast enough. You've been pursuing that job promotion because you think if I could just get that extra money and get that corner office, I'll be good. But then you get to that point and you're like, man, I need some more because more money, more problems. <laughs> you with me? And, and, and then, well, what about this one? This one, this one's going to stick in somebody's crawl. You ready? Relationships. Some of y'all, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes here in a minute. I'm going to step on some toes. Y'all keep chasing that man or woman from going from man to man, to man woman to woman, thinking they're going to complete you. The reason they don't complete you and you, and, you, and you have such a bad relationship and it ends badly is because you're not fixated, you're not pursuing what really matters, and that is Christ, where your joy comes from. You're trying to replace what Christ is trying to do in your life with somebody or something. With somebody or something. I know some of y'all didn't want to hear that this morning, but it's okay. Talk to Jesus about it, not me. But there is a difference, you know, between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from an Old Norse word, which is hap, H-P-P, which means or stands for or was in conjecture with meaning luck or chance, which puts a whole new meaning on things that are happening around us. Because, listen, that means luck or chance. That means it's constantly changing. Listen, I've been, I've, been, I've been married for a while. Other people can marry. Like, people change. You with me? I mean, I went to looking better. You know what I'm saying? Ronnie, Ronnie's like, he, he, he looks better than he did before. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, like, I changed for the good. That's all I'm saying. Brittany might be ch- But people change. You with me? People change. Like, your job environment changes, doesn't it? If you've worked in a job more than 10 years, or, or you realize that what, when you started, it's so much different than the way it is now. Things change. Things are based on luck or chance. Happenings are based on luck or chance. That means they're always changeable. They're always changeable. Basically, happiness comes from an event that could change at any moment. But what we're going to see is that joy is fixed on something that's not fleeting, that's permanent. We can say it like this, happiness is ever fleeting, but joy is fixed. But the question becomes, what is it fixed on? 
You with me? And as believers, we are called to be a people of joy. Well, Derek, I can't be fake. I'm not asking you to be fake. I'm asking you to be joyful. One guy, I was listening to one guy, and he says, there's no such thing as a gloomy Christian. How many of y'all know some gloomy Christians, though? You with me? Like, they suck to be around. But the Bible calls us to be a people of joy. That doesn't mean you have to be fake. That just means we, we have something that we can live on because it's fixed on something, not based on the circumstances or the situations that are around us. As believers, we are called to be a people of joy, not because of what we have or don't have or the circumstances we find ourselves in. That's happiness or the lack of happiness. But, but, but it's because we have found something that is fixed and that never changes, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes us. The only thing in this joy thing that changes is us. We're the one that changes, because we're, it's fixed on someone who is eternal. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His grace from the cross is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His mercy that are new every day comes from the fact that the cross never changes. We, like, we can look back and go, that's when I was changed. And he's been the same, pouring it out on me ever since. In fact, I love that the gospel transforms us. And it's because of this gospel, there's this guy, his name is um, William Barclay, he said this about Christians. He said, the Christian is a man or a woman of joy. The Christian is the laughing cavalier of Christ. That means wherever we go, we enlighten the room. When darkness is in the room, and we, we, as Christians, as believers, with Christ being in us, when we step into the room, that darkness should flee. That weight and that depression should leave the room. Because we understand no matter what this world or Satan throws at us, we have a Savior who has defeated it. That's why we can look at addiction and go, you're done. That's why we can look at depression and go, listen, in the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm going I'm to choose joy. I know this road's still going to be hard. There's going to be some tough days. But I know that the cross has saved me, that grace has saved me, and I, I'm eternally fixed to the one that's never changing. So even if I sway a little bit, I know I'm anchored to him. That's what Hebrew says. It's an anchor for the soul. So our friend Paul writes this letter to us, this book, from the book, we call it the book of Philippians, but it's really just a letter to the Philippian church and to us. And he writes this letter actually while chained to prison guards in jail, which puts a whole new meaning on whatever you're going through. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, this, like the book of Philippians is known as the book of joy. Like how can you write a letter about joy when you're shackled to, to a man? Like I'm not just talking about any guard, not just like some, you know, what's the guy who's on... That old cop show, Barney. He's not changed to Barney. Barney. Uh, now these are the elite of the elite. Like they're the royal guards. They're the ones that they're like they're like the secret service of of our day. Like they know their stuff and they are tough dudes. They probably work out a lot. You know what I'm saying? I know. Hey, by the way, your boys CrossFit certified now that the coach. Just so you guys are aware. Thanks. I worked really hard. Okay. Thanks. So if you would like to have a personal trainer, just saying, just kidding. That's a side note. But our friend Paul writes this letter, chained to prison guards in jail, which is a whole, like, gives a whole new meaning to the midst of ba our bad circumstances. And we're going to look at chapter 1 today, which is the introduction to this letter to the Church of, to the Church of Philippi and us. 
And what we're going to see is that once we figure out whose we are, we kind of become undone with ourselves, which is the title for today. Undone. It's not on there, Joe. You're good. I hope that today leaves us a little undone. So y'all ready? I love this first verse because of how it labels us. You ready? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ, I hope y'all caught that, who are at Philippi or in Knoxville at Shift Church with the overseers and the deacons. I love that verse. You're like, Derek, that's just like an introduction. Hey, this is Paul, blah, blah. No, 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 no. First, let me say that it is, it is the greatest joy, you, the greatest joy you can have is being, being rooted in Christ. You see that verse? Pontiff, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ. Are you in Christ? That's the greatest joy that you can have. Why? You want to know why? Joe wants to know. Do you want to know why? Here's why. Your former identity is erased and you're given a new identity. You're not who you used to be, nor will you be reminded of who you used to be by the one who saved you. Galatians 3.26, Paul would tell the church at Galatia, you have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus. What immersed you into Jesus? faith. And even Ephesians says, this is how good and what should give us even more joy. Ephesians 2 this isn't up here, this is a side note. Ephesians 2 says that even the faith to believe, the little bit of faith to believe was given to us. That's how much he cared about you. Like In and of ourselves, we have no ability to believe. But Ephesians 2 says that he gave us a gift of faith to believe. So that's it gets me excited. I don't know what anyone is. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one. And, and now you are covered and clothed you are covered and clothed with his anointing. <laughs> and we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, addict or non, whatever your label is, because we are all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, or since you've been are in Christ, you are now Abraham's child. Like, we've joined a bigger family, y'all. We All the promises of the Old Testament, guess what? We have them. We got them. Woo-hoo! And inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. Y'all want another verse? How about this one? Galatians 4, 7 says this. So you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to who you used to be. Well, those things that hold you. you. You are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir through God, you are royalty. You have royal blood flowing through your veins. But I wonder, I wonder, did you see how Paul describes you in that first verse? To the saints, to the saints, you are defined as a saint, which means since he labeled you a saint, since he labeled you a saint, the you before Jesus that showed, that showed up or shows up is not the only you you can be. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Because you're, some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Well, let's just be a little undone. See, being a saint isn't based on you being clean or holy. So when the old you or Satan throw, tries to throw the old you up in your face, you're like, see how dirty you are? See how clean you are? You don't deserve that. He don't deserve you. 
Do you really think you're going to make it? You cussed yesterday in the car when that person almost hit you. I didn't do that. I'm just saying. Being a saint isn't based on you being clean and holy. It's based on the fact that you are in Christ who was clean and holy. Which means it's not based on you. So if you get labeled by the creator on something that's based on him instead of being based on you, that should bring us some joy because that means your name never changes. You are saint. I don't care what the Catholic Church says about it. You are a saint. Why? Because Paul says you are. Because Christ says you are. Keep reading. Philippians 1 verse 2 says this. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And this is like a sweet letter. Because I think of Paul being that harsh little mean little I'm going to punch you in the face if you even look at me the wrong way. He's like, I always, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then I love this next verse. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to read that verse again. <coughs> Did I put that verse in there twice? That, good, okay. For some reason it goes. Five, five. No, that's verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion so that, so that begins, sustains, and completes at the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ. I think I put those passages in there twice ago. So here's what this means. Our joy is rooted in the confidence in Christ's work in our life personally. Our joy is rooted in the confidence in Christ's work in our life personally. This should bring us joy because that means you can't screw it up. As believers, we have been called by, the, called by Christ's work of salvation. Whose work is it? Christ's. Did you do anything to save yourself? No. Could you do anything to save yourself? No. Again, Ephesians 2. We can say it, so we can say it like this. Since it, it wasn't us that saved ourselves, our, ourselves can't complete it. Anybody like hate when you can't complete something? <sighs> Me. Okay? So our joy is found in the fact that it, that it is Christ that begins, begins our salvation. That it's Christ who sustains our salvation. And it's Christ who completes our salvation. So this, let me tell you why this gives us joy. It undoes our belief that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, which is another Americanism, right? Because you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't do anything to fix your situation. You can't do better. And even if you could do better, what does the Bible say? Your righteousness is like filthy rags. And the non-PG, the rated R version, actually the translation is it's like a dirty menstrual rag. Nasty. It undoes our belief that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do better. 
and it does undoes the thought that we can make it or sustain it. It tells us that joy is found in that our salvation is complete and fixed, never changing on Christ's work and not ours. That means that should bring us joy, and that joy should be like, because you're like Derek, you're like, Derek, what is, like, what, like, like, does that mean we can just live however we want to? No, because if we've truly been changed by God and we're driven by joy in Christ, what we'll talk about next week is our mind will be rewired to his mindset. Not saying you won't ever mess up. It will, we will want, because of what we've experienced in the cross and what we've seen in Christ, we will want to do nothing other than serve him. Philippians 1.7 goes on to say this. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me or partners with me of grace. Grace is what? Unmerited favor or for dummies. You can't earn grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God, is my, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. Like, he, like here you, you kind of get the from Paul like saying, this, this is hard. Where I'm at is hard. Like it's the situation I find myself in. And it, it is a difficult situation. Like don't get me wrong when I'm, when I'm writing this letter to you. It's going to be hard. Like this is like one of the most difficult things in my life. Like I'm, he's about to say I'm chained to the prison guards like that. That, that cannot be comfortable. Yeah, you with me? For God is my witness how I yearn. I want to be there with you free for you all, for you all with the, the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And that's, I could do two totally sermon, different sermons on those two, that phrase, knowledge and discernment. We're not going to do that today. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. I also want to notice, have you noticed in, in biblical writings, they lived as if Jesus was going to come back in the next five minutes. You with me? Like the old Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt thing. You know what I'm saying? If Jesus came back right now, would you want him to be caught doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't go watch Dirt, Joe Dirt and kids, okay? Especially looking for that phrase. But just, it's like they lived with anticipation that any minute the skies were going to split open. What happened? You with me? Like, what happened with us living that way? Wanting to live so righteously because we were thinking God was coming back any minute. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes. Go back to one more verse. Go back to verse 10. So that it all makes sense. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Or righteousness just means a right standing before God that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Being in Christ brings us joy because it produces in our life some sort of fruit or allows us to live a productive and meaningful life. You with me? There's a fruit that happens. There's something that, ex that gets expressed as believers. And you're like, Derek, well, what is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because also in Galatians, he tells us this is what the fruit is. And notice, some people say fruits of the Spirit, but it's not fruits. It's fruit. It means it's one. And it's that one encompasses 
It'll make sense. I'm reading two different translations that will help make sense of this. But the fruit is love, and inside that love is everything else that's listed below it. It'll make sense when I get to the next the other translation. But here's verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, if we look at the Passion Translation, this is what it says. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. And this is the expressions of love, this fruit. The first one is what? Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Set to be limitless. So if you're living with true joy found in Christ, where is it found? In Christ, not in the situations that surround us. If you're living with true joy found in Christ, your life will reflect these characteristics. How you doing? You with me? Are you always loving and joyful? Are you always patient and kind? Are you always gentle? If we're in Christ, we're going to strive to bear this fruit. What life are you living? Because if you're not living this life, then you're one of those gloomy Christians that's an oxymoron. And notice the word is oxymoron. Little preacher joke for you. But it's true. Philippians 1, verse 12 goes on to say, I want you to, I want you to know, brothers, that what, what is happening to me, what is it, what's happening to him? Chained to prison guard. This is his situation, his circumstances. He's chained to a prison guard in jail. Not just any prison guard, like the most elite prison guard. I want you to know, brothers, that what is happening to me has really served to advance the gospel. Whoa, 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 Paul. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nothing good can come from this, Paul. Like, you're in jail. Like, really, Paul? Like, quit being fake. Don't, like, you're chained to a guard. Like, I can't even believe he's letting you write that letter right now. I want you to know, brothers, that this, this what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Why? Because his joy was not based on happiness or happenings. It was based on something eternal, something that he experienced that changed him, that transformed him. It's really served to advance the gospel so that it has become, what has advanced the gospel? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard to all the ones that get chained up to him, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Like Derek, where are you going to get from all that? Well, I'm glad you asked. How you view your situation will be the expression your life portrays. How you view your situation, I didn't make this a note, but I probably should have. How you view your situation, which means if you're taking notes, you probably want to write this one down. Because it's a good one. 
how you view your situation will be the expression your life portrays. Like, how do you look at your current situation? You look at it in defeat or look at it like it's already been conquered. Or look at it, at it in a way in a way it can be used. We can look as believers, if we're true believers, truly pursuing joy that's found in Christ, we can look at our situations, whether good or bad, and say something good is coming from this. Something good is coming from this. See, Paul is in jail. He tells us, look at what my situation is producing. One, it's producing boldness and people around me so that the gospel is being advanced because, hey, if Paul's willing to go to jail, then I'm going to march right there with him. Look at what my situation is producing. The most powerful of prison guards now are coming to know Christ. The very people that have him chained up are now becoming believers. Are you kidding me? This means, and this is probably the most powerful thing that hit me this week. I sent it to the guy's message. Your situation can be someone's salvation. We'll say it can be someone's salvation. Which puts a whole new kind of burden and, 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 and on us because how we portray ourselves, how we portray our situation, what was it? How you view your situation will be the expression you portray to others. So what are you portraying? Are you portraying salvation? Or are, you, are you portraying, oh man, this is a burden that I don't even know if I can get out of. We've got to start our lives, our days, by not wasting the situations or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We've got to, we, we don't need to waste our situation or circumstance. We use them to punch Satan right in the mouth. Oh, you want to put me in this hole? Well, guess what? Where I am, there is light. And where there is light, there is salvation. And so anybody thing that's chained up to me, it's going to be redeemed. It's going to be, re, it's going to be reused. And it's, going to, it's going to lead somebody to Christ. The very first 17 people that you're going to reach in the next 143 days that's left, is going to be saved by from seeing how you view your situation. What has God brought you through and is bringing you through? What Satan is trying to use to bring you down, that is your weapon. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because the very bullets that get fired our way, guess what? We're like Superman. They bounce right back off and they save somebody. Quit using your situation or circumstances as, circumstances as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, a reason or excuse not to live life with joy. That doesn't mean you have to walk into a situation smiling every day, but what it does mean is you have to, it changes your outlook. Because listen, some of us in this room, if not already or not currently, will one day face something that really that sucks really bad. And we're not going to have a smile on our face, but how we respond to that how our reaction to that, how we, how we use that will determine how it affects the very people that God has called us to reach where we live, work, and play. So we can take our current situations and we can say, man, this sucks. I don't know what we're going to do. Or we can say, let's see what God's going to play with this one. Ooh, I, I have the feeling somebody's going to be saved today.
you keep throwing this at me, Satan, but guess what? I'm going to talk to that kid today who's having all that issue. And guess what? I'm going to say, hey, listen, I went through the same issue. Let me tell you what God did for me. Or that coworker across the desk that comes in and just can't, I, I, I can't believe my husband's doing this. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, that does, that is really bad. But let me tell you about my experience. The greatest relationship that I ever had was with a man named Jesus. And he brought me some, like, these, my, our relationships over here, they're going to they're gonna let us down. They're gonna, they, we've got to stop filling that, filling that void up with that man or that woman. But if you fill it up with Jesus, listen, that man or that woman has to get to Jesus before he ever got to you. So how you view your situation will be the expression your life portrays. And so if that means your situation can be someone's salvation, that means your situation also can be somebody's doom. Depending on how you view it and how you express it. Don't waste your situation. Some indeed preach Christ from envy. And I love that Paul brings this. Some indeed, pre- some indeed preach Christ from envy and robbery, but others from goodwill. The, the, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for a defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to the thinking to afflict me in my prison. I love what Paul says here because sometimes we make we take something and we make a bigger deal out of it than what it really is. Okay, this is what Paul says. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. That's Paul saying, listen, I know there's some people out there with bad motives. I know there's some people out there with bad, like, bad habits, but there's also some people out there with some good that are preaching. He goes, no matter what, at least Christ is being preached. Whether in envy or in strife or in, in like what, I'm just glad people are talking about Jesus. You with me? Because I think no matter good or bad, people are saved in spite of us. You with me? Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. What do you mean there? What do you mean there? Like whatever your situation is, no matter what you're going through, keeping the joy mindset of no, like being fixed on Christ and not our current situation, no matter the outcome of this, it's for your deliverance. Rather, it's viewed as good or bad. No matter if it's what you wanted or, or, or not what you wanted. Listen, it's for your deliverance. It's either saving you to something or saving you from something. He goes on to say, that it, and as it is my eager expectation and hope that I would not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. He said, even if death comes or if I keep on living, guess what? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't care. Like, listen, I've thought a lot about death lately. and There's been times where I've kind of felt the weightiness of it. You with me? Is that scary? Like, part of it's because, well, I'll be remembered. Nobody wants to be forgotten, right? Oh. This is Paul saying, no matter if I live or if I die, guess what? My joy is fixed on Christ. For I am to live, if I, for if I am to live in the flesh, guess what this means for me? More, more fruitful labor for me, as he says. So if I'm going to live, I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on telling these prison guards who are chained to me about Jesus. When he, when he was martyred, finally, guess what he died doing? Speaking of the joy that is found in Christ. 
yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with, my, be with Christ, for this is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith. And here's why Paul says that. It's because God had already told him that he was going to go to Rome, and he wasn't in Rome yet. So he knew, like, he, God said, listen, I'm going I'm to send you to Rome. And he hadn't made it to Rome yet to preach. So he knew that he was going to move on, but he didn't know if it was going to be through imprisonment or if it was going to be through missionary journey. But either way, he was going to make it to Rome to proclaim the gospel. Which makes you think, you know, at one point, and I'm not saying it was all, I'm not saying it was all, like, true believing, but even the Roman Empire became a Christian nation in some extent. And I'm beginning to wonder if it started in a jail cell chained to some prison guards. Because how you view your situation can lead to someone's salvation or a nation's salvation or to somebody's doom. Just that's a conjecture. Okay. Verse 26. <clears throat> so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of, of my coming to you again. Only let your... Let your manner of life, I love like this phrase, like this will, like a two-edged two -edged sword cut deep. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Ooh, that's heavy. Like, is your life worthy? Well, by all human standards, no. But again, if you're in Christ, you're a what? Saint. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I love Malin's post that says, if you're a Christian, act like it. Is that, is that the phrase that, that says? Everybody go read Malin's blog. It's awesome. If you're a saint, walk like it. You know what I'm saying? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of uh, I may hear of you that, you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for, for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in, in anything by your opponents or your situations or anything that's thrown at you. This is a clear sign to them of, your, of their destruction, but of your salvation and, and, that, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Which that's a whole new thing. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I, will, I still have. So here's the point of that. Our joy comes from the privilege of, not, uh, of knowing Christ or being in Christ, and the privilege to suffer with Christ. We are all called to lay it down. Lay down the life that we want, the life that we think is we want, the life that, we, that we're pursuing, trying to make us happy. He's saying, lay it down. Suffer for me. Make a sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, he did give up his life for you. It's our, jo our joy comes from the privilege of knowing Christ and the privilege of suffering with Christ. Why? Because 
no matter our situation or circumstance, we are undone by the work of Christ in our lives. Are you undone? Have you experienced Christ to the point where it just undoes and unravels everything in your life? Because if nothing's ever satisfying to you, and you don't have true and lasting and fixed joy, the question becomes, who are you following or whose are you? As we talked about at the beginning. So we're going to sing one more song. And if you're looking for true joy and true peace, it's only found in the cross. It's only found in Christ. And today can be a day that you're forever can be changed. You may be listening to this later since we don't do Facebook Live anymore. You're hearing this right now. I want you to know that God, the same invitation is out there for you. You can, you can be in Christ today. You can be called a saint before you ever stand up. Here's the thing. You can do it in your seat. You can come up here to the altar and pray. Justin will come pray with you. Mark will come pray with you. Today, you can receive Christ and live with joy, something fixed for all of it. Your eternity would start today. And then you can, then you can believe, then you can begin to reach 17 people that reaches 17 people that reaches 17 people. And we can celebrate on June 5th when we do that baptism. Because you chose joy. And then joy is contagious, y'all. It like oozes out of us. So as we sing this song, if, if you're here and you're like, hey, listen, I want to give my life to Christ. If you're listening to this later, holler at your boy. And let me know. You can accept Christ today. Right here. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity that we have to know you and to have true and lasting joy. God, I am undone by the grace and the mercy that I've experienced in you. God, I'm undone by the cross. What you did on the cross to save us when we, when we didn't even have to. And it goes back to Ephesians when it says, We were all dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of the, of the air, the prince of the power of the air, following the world. And even though we were dead, we were stinking, we didn't deserve it. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, laid down his life for us. God, I'm undone. I'm undone by that.